With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Chance Storland, and this is the Spurs Insider, our weekly NBA podcast from ExpressNews.com. And uh, now back from Denver, I'm joined now by the San Antonio Express News sports writer. I'm often speaking with Jeff McDonald. Jeff, great to have you back here. Obviously, this is a special episode. We don't know how many episodes we're going to have left, as is always the issue with covering the postseason of any team, let alone the Spurs this season. Um, So as I just mentioned, you've been traveling. You're just now back from Denver. Uh, The Spurs obviously took game one. They lost game two. It's obviously the goal of every underdog in an NBA playoff series to take at least one of the first two games on the road. That has happened. However, it's a little hard not to feel like they left something on the table after blowing a pair of 19-point leads in that most recent game two before losing 114 to 105. They're back in San Antonio for games three and four of what is now a tied series where they could have been up 2-0. And they really had Denver on the ropes before now being one and one. So regarding the Spurs chances of pulling an upset and winning this series, um, obviously Denver is uh, a number two seed. Are we feeling more optimistic or less optimistic or maybe about the same after one victory, one loss? And do you think that this uh, game two victory comeback, did that give this young Nuggets team, which is kind of the opposite of the experience the Spurs bring to the game. Did it give the Nuggets new life? What do you say happened after these first two games? You know, I think if, um, you know, you'd ask any Spurs fan, any Spurs player, any Spurs coach, anyone affiliated with the Spurs, if you told them you're going to go to Denver and come back with one victory, um, I think they would have been happy with that. I mean, coming in, the, the big thing was when you're the underdog, when you're the lower-seeded team and you're going on the road to start an NBA playoff series, you have to win at least one game on the road in order to win the series. That's just the mathematical truth of it. And there was real concern that the Spurs might not be able to pull it off. They had not been a great road team this this year. So to go in there and get one win, it sets them up to where now all they have to do is win the home games and and they're free and clear of the Nuggets. You know, if they go into three and four and win both those games, they're up three to one, um, you know, with three chances to close it out. That said, as you mentioned, it, it's hard not it's hard not to feel like man they had Denver right there like it was almost it almost would have been a knockout blow in game two if the Spurs could have held on and won that game when they were up by 19 points in the second quarter and then lost a lot of most of that and then built it back up was up by 19 in the third quarter and still couldn't hold on thanks to a just crazy fourth quarter of shot making from Denver's Jamal Murray. Um, if the Spurs had won that game and gone up 2-0, you're pretty much looking like that the series is is a done deal. There's only uh, four teams in NBA history that have gone down 2-0 at home and gone on to win a best-of-seven series. And I don't think these Nuggets were ready to be the fifth to do that. But now it's 1-1. If you're the Spurs, you're saying, hey, we went to Denver. We got the game we wanted. To win. We, got the, the, we got the bare minimum. We got what we needed to do. 
Now, if they come home and take care of business at home, they're back in control. This they're really in control of the series again. Um, the Nuggets, I think they were doubting themselves. I mean, they're a young team of the six of the nine players that they played in game one had never played an NBA playoff game before. That was their debut. Uh, and so they, they, they get beat in game one in a tight game, and then they're getting routed in game two, can't make anything. Um, if they had not pulled out that game, I think you're looking at the Nuggets um, really starting to doubt themselves coming to San Antonio, and I think the, the Spurs could have made short work of them. As it is, I think that is kind of the danger. You've let a, a young team get some confidence get its feet under them um, and kind of realize that, Hey, they belong in this playoff uh, mix too. I think basically what happened in Denver is it's more that the nuggets in game two, especially it's more that the nuggets avoided a lethal blow. If, if, if the Spurs had won that game, the series is all but over. Um, now they've lived to fight another day, but the Spurs are still, if you take the bird's eye view of the series, they're, they're still in control until they lose a the game at home. So it's really interesting. Obviously there was a big difference between game one and game two. You just kind of described what that means. Um, really what it was nuggets guard, Jamal Murray, absolutely dreadful. The first game, this most recent game two started off the same way. And, you know, similarly first eight shots, nothing coming down. And then he came alive in the fourth quarter. He really key to Denver's comeback. 21 of his 24 points in that fourth quarter. They had that big run, I think over three minutes where the Spurs just scored two points, something like that. Tell me about what happened there exactly. And do you think this series could really just come down to something as simple as whether Murray makes or misses shots? That seems to have been what happened in game two. Yeah, I have never seen a player. Um, those first seven quarters Murray played in Denver, I've never seen a player look more rattled, more shaken up, more just not ready for the playoff moment than Jamal Murray in those first seven quarters in Denver. And he was one of the guys I mentioned that was making his playoff debut had never been on that stage before. And, and it showed, I mean, he just, he, he not only could he not make shots, he was eight of 23 in game one missed the, just a wide open look that could have possibly won game one for Denver there down the stretch. Um, you know, really seemed like he was in his own head. Um, you know, the talk between game one and two is he's, he's going to be better. He's going to, uh, you know, he's not going to dwell on the past. He's going to move forward, blah, blah, blah. And then he opens game two, just firing up more bricks and just making bad decisions, getting blocked at the rim. He missed a dunk. Like, I mean, it, it, at least, at least you think you make your dunks, but he missed the dunk early. Um, starts obeying and just looks like he's going to go in the tank. And that's the end of the Nuggets season, basically, if that happens. And, you know, give him credit. He stuck, Jamal Murray stuck with it and, uh, showed why he is one of the better scorers in the NBA and there in the in the fourth quarter. He had basically a whole game's worth of scoring crammed into one fourth quarter, made his first eight shots. That's kind of interesting symmetry. He starts missing by missing his first eight shots and then opens the fourth quarter when the Nuggets need him to, to rescue them, uh, makes his first eight shots. And, you know, some of them were open and some of them were just circus shots and well-guarded and Derek White's all over him and, He's just one of those players that if he gets hot, it really doesn't matter um, how tightly you defend him. He can still make those shots. And so to answer the second part of your question, you know, you, we tend to break down these series matchup by matchup and Spurs need to do this. The Nuggets need to do that. And, and uh, you know, pace and rebounding and blah, 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 blah. But really sometimes it comes down to um, do the guys you have on your team who can make crazy shots, do they make those crazy shots? And, it might just come down to for the Spurs. Does Jamal Murray make shots in a game or does he miss shots in a game? 
And that really determines your fortune. And that almost seems almost helpless in a way. There are certain things you can do to try to prevent him from going crazy. You can try to make it hard on him. But it's almost sort of helpless that even if you do those things, he can maybe make those shots anyway. And so, I, you know, I think the Spurs will do their best to, um, you know, defend him as best they can. I don't know if you can do things to take the ball out of his hands because you're really focusing all your defensive uh, energies on Nikola Jokic. You're trying to get the ball out of his hands. I mean, somebody's going to somebody's going to have one-on-one coverage, and that and they're, the Spurs are going to let Jamal Murray do that. It seems for now. So it's just a matter of if, if, if I mean, he's been miss he's been missing wide open shots and making just shots with inside his jersey. So you know, it's just kind of. The series seems like it's going to go with however this material guard shoots. And it's, it's, it's horrifying to watch your Spurs fan because you really don't know what's going to happen. Um, but, I mean, he's a good scorer. He's had, he had a 48-point game this year. He had a 46-point game this year. When he gets hot, um, Jamal Murray is one of the hardest to defend players in the NBA. He's not a guy that I think a lot of casual fans might know. He's not an all-star. He's not LeBron James. Um, but he's one, he's a, he's a very good NBA scorer. He's one of those guys that if he gets hot, he can really hurt you no matter what you do against him. Um, and I just, I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from here. And it's going to be interesting to see if that fourth quarter carries over to game three. If now that he has his confidence and his legs under him, if he's that, that guy or some, if he's closer to that guy than he was to the guy who basically looked like those first seven quarters were the uh, NBA. I mean, those are the first seven quarters of basketball he'd ever played in his life. Um, I don't think that's him. Um, so, you know, Spurs are going to just have to weather whatever he throws out to them, I think. Jeff, I love the way you describe that. How was the postseason this year? Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> it's terrifying <laughs> to watch that. Wow, you're honest, man. I love that on uh, having you on the program for that reason. Um, we'll, we'll get back to Jokic here in a second, but you mentioned Derek White. He's the uh, point guard counterpart on the Spurs of Murray. He also had his first two, uh, two playoff starts of his career in games one and two. But despite that postseason inexperience, in many ways, he's been the Spurs' steadiest player throughout the series. He's also been such a huge component of, I think maybe if I if I gave it some time, like the second half of the Spurs season coming up all the time here on the Spurs Insider. Are you surprised at all at White's performances so far? As I just you know mentioned here, um, kind of par for the course for what we've seen for such a long time this season. Yeah, I think, you know, he's been a really steady, poised. That's kind of his deal. He's a steady, poised player, plays with great pace and great purpose and kind of a, with a, you know, with a poise even that, that belies his age. I mean, this is really his first season of playing, you know, meaningful minutes. But I think there was always a question, as there is with any player that has never really performed on the playoff stage before, what are they going to, you know, what are they going to do when the lights go up bigger, when it's the playoffs when the whole world is watching and Derek White's been pretty much the same guy. And I think that's been a pleasant uh, thing for the Spurs to watch. I mean, it says a lot about his character and his uh, confidence and his, um, you know, his guts really. I mean, he's been the guy that has been the steadying force of the Spurs when they needed it. And really, if you look at, at game, um, at game two, the Spurs built their second 19 point lead. White was in the middle of that. He was, he was on the floor. And then as that, as the collapse happened, as that started to whittle away, that coincided with the time where Derek White was on the bench getting a rest. I mean, he's, he's been 
uh, a very important part of this team for a long time. And I just think um, watching him in his playoffs has been eye-opening. You know, he had, he's averaged 16.5 points over the first couple of games. Um, he's shooting the lights out. I think he's 14 of 21. Um, turnovers are a little high, which I think you expect from a point guard, um, really making his first two NBA playoff appearances that count. Um, but other than that, I mean, I think what you're, what you're, what you're seeing, I mean, he's been, he, if he doesn't show up this way, then I don't know. Uh, the Spurs don't have a chance in the series. I mean, the, the NBA playoff series these days are basically dictated by guard play. And if Derek White doesn't show up and, and counter Jamal Murray, then, then the Spurs are sunk. And um, I just think he's been a really, really uh, important part of what they've done. What they've done, and the fact that he's not scared of the moment, I think, is the really, um, really, really heartening thing about what he's done. I mean, in Game One, everyone's going to remember uh, his his big dunk um, over Paul Millsap, his steal to steal the game, uh, to steal the game, and. Game two, he was pretty much just as good. The Spurs, the rest of the Spurs, just kind of <laughs> didn't pull their weight in, in that game. Man, you're really pulling the punches here today, Jeff. This is great listening to all this commentary. Take note, rest of the Spurs team. So, uh, speaking of the players, of course, we got all stars on both sides. We've already talked about White. We've talked about Murray, but you know, I'm talking about Jokic. I'm talking about Aldridge, DeRozan. They've all had their moments th- so far in these first two games. Is there an X factor type player for each team where the performance could really tilt the series one way or the other? Obviously you just got done talking about Derek white before then we talked about Jamal Murray, but what about the other big stars? Um, yeah, like, you know, a lot of focus in the series is going to be on, on the, as you mentioned, the all-stars, the guys with the bigger names, you know, Nikola Jokic, who's been pretty, pretty great for Denver, had a triple double in game one, had a near triple double in game two. Uh, DeMar DeRozan had 31 points in game game two. LaMarcus Aldridge had 24 in game two. But but a lot of times these series are kind of a combination of what your stars do and can somebody else step up to give you kind of a punch that you're not expecting. And I think, you know, you're looking at for Denver, it's, uh, you know, there's maybe one or two guys I would, I would single out there. I mean, they have a lot of, a lot of guys who could play better, who are, uh, who could, could lift you, but, um, I look at what their bench is doing and, and it hasn't been at times it hasn't been much and Denver needs its bench to be really good. And so I think one of the guys you're looking forward to be an X factor on their side um, is Malik Beasley. He's, he's a guy that has kind of been the scoring punch off their bench and he's been there at times in this series, but they probably need him to be there a little more often. And another guy I'd mentioned for them that we saw in game two is Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap, you know, on a team that, that, as we've mentioned, has no playoff experience or very little playoff experience to speak of. Um, you know, Paul Millsap is a guy that's played eighty something NBA playoff games before this year. He's he's kind of their their entire reserve of playoff moxie, and he had a twenty point game in Game Two, and is really important. And he's been really important uh, defending the guy that I would call the the Spurs X factor, and that's Rudy Gay. You know, they've moved Rudy Gay to the bench. He's supposed to be sort of the bench bench scoring punch for the Spurs. You know, they, they like keeping him at times away from DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. So there's more shots to go around. So they bring him off the bench so he can kind of have free reign to score. And in, in the first game, I thought he was really good. He, he had a big second quarter ended with 14 points. And I thought he was a big reason the Spurs were able to take game one. He was pretty much a no-show in game two. He had five points. He missed seven of his nine shots. He had a couple of pretty crucial turnovers. And this is a veteran guy that, um, 
you know, the Spurs are counting on to really be their the anchor of their bench. So I think I think if if uh, everything else goes the way it has gone so far for the Spurs and Rudy Gay plays well, and I think that gives them a better chance. You know that that bodes well for their chances of winning games and, and winning the series. And then finally here, Jeff, I'm going to let you go, but I want to get your thoughts on the rest of the series. And also at a time when Greg Popovich, I got to make sure I say this correctly. Cause I always trip up on this wording, the winning est that's a word coach in NBA history. There was a tie for three days, but now it's Greg Popovich. That being the case, everything that you've already just mentioned so far in today's discussion, um, what are you thinking for this series? Tom Orsborne was on last week. I appreciated his honesty. He said Denver and seven. What do you think? You know, going into the series, I predicted Denver and seven, and I guess we are still sort of on track where that could happen. I mean, I, I, this is probably no grand analysis, but I think the next two games will probably be telling. I think if the Spurs win both the games at home and take that 3-1 lead, I think they're winning the series. And I, I know that doesn't sound like going on on a very steep limb, but I also think if they lose one of the two, if they're going back to Denver tied, um, I'm, I'm going to give Denver the edge. I, I, I think, you know, I think coming in, we were, like I mentioned earlier, we were wondering, can the Spurs win one game on the road in this series? Like that was going to be a tall task. And then they did it. I think for I think it's a tall ask to ask a team to win two games on the road in, in a playoff series when they just haven't been a good road team. Before the playoffs, they hadn't beaten a Western Conference team on the road since December. Um, so it's hard to ask them to do that twice in the span of seven games. So I think if the Spurs can win the two at home, then they set themselves up. I don't think Denver comes back from that. But I think if you allow Denver to regain home court advantage, where all they have to do is win two of three on their, uh, you know, two of the next three and two of them are on their home floor. I think the, the edge swings back to Denver pretty pretty wildly in that in that case. And thank you to San Antonio Express News sports writer Jeff McDonald for joining me for today's episode of the Spurs Insider, our weekly NBA podcast from ExpressNews.com. For the San Antonio Express News. I'm Chance Dorland.